Good morning, Leslie Avenue. Good morning. What is this? It's not Buenos Tardes. What is this? Uh, we are going to be focusing on peace this morning. And we're going to do that with a service that focuses on song, scripture, and a few comments. I like the statement in the middle there. Jesus intends that our lives be peaceful. And yet, I'm afraid many of us would say, my life is anything but peaceful. So how do we find peace? How do we live our lives peacefully? I want us to focus on the words of the songs today. As we're singing, it can be real easy just to fall into the old habits. I know what the next phrase is going to be, and we kind of do it as a robot, not really conscious of what we're focusing on. Let the songs and the scriptures speak to us this morning. Evan and I will be getting, as he says, quite the workout, but focus on the words as we sing them this morning. First song this morning, this is well with my soul. When peace like a
pray for peace in the world that we can hear your word and do your will all over this globe. Father, we thank you for all our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love them so much. We ask that you watch over them and bless them. We thank you for your son who came into this world to show us a perfect life he gave up that life so we might have a home in heaven. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Scripture, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You may have heard it before. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, about peace today, I have a question. You ever wondered in human history how many peace treaties have been signed in different countries? It has to be a lot. And if it is a lot, that must mean that the first one didn't work. And the second one didn't work. But we signed peace treaties. What's the problem? How many informal peace treaties have ever been arranged between family members, between husbands and wives, you know, or that turn out really probably simply to be hitting a pause button, just a slight delay in an ongoing conflict. There have been a lot of those too. Again, what's the problem? All treaties, all peace treaties do is to try to regulate external behavior between the parties. Don't cross that line. Don't bring up that subject, parentheses, again. Don't push that button. A peace treaty between two countries is to say, you stay on your side and we'll stay on our side, or you don't build this weapon and we won't build this weapon. The treaties are designed to regulate and to limit external behavior. Between family members, don't bring up that I dropped the coffee cup, or don't bring up that I had this mistake in my past. Don't bring up external things. It's all trying to fix outside external behaviors. But until hearts and minds change, there really is no peace. Can't have peace trying simply to regulate external behavior, or we should all be very peaceful this morning. Our nation should be very peaceful this morning. Our world should be very peaceful. It's not. The reason that it's not is because it's trying to fix the symptom of the problems by limiting external behaviors rather than trying to treat the problem itself. True peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It has to come from the inside. Since peace is listed as a fruit of the Spirit, it comes from the Spirit living within me and the Spirit living within you. And with that being the case, fruit comes from the Spirit living within me. And peace is a fruit that is generated by that indwelling of the Spirit within me. If my life is not showing peace, then the solution, as we've been saying for a couple of weeks now, is not to say, I need to be more peaceful tomorrow. 
I need to focus on being peaceful. The solution is to draw closer to God, draw closer to the spirit dwelling within you. Only then will there be an environment where that spirit can generate fruit. A couple of examples of peace that I thought about. You have a car that has the wheels aligned, and sometimes you can be driving down the road and it's almost like the car drives itself. Please, you all, don't do that. Don't let the car try to drive itself. Tesla notwithstanding. You ought to have hands on the steering wheel, but it's a smooth run. I mean, wheels are aligned, everything's going in the same direction, it's going down the road pretty nicely. Have you ever driven a car where the front end is out of alignment? I mean, it's like the car has a mind of its own because the wheels are not synced up. They're not together. They're not going in the same direction. I want to suggest to you that a life that is not peaceful is a symptom that there needs to be an alignment on the inside. There needs to be an alignment of my will be more closely aligned with God's will in the same way that those wheels need to get adjusted so that when I am going through my life, the will that God has for me and what I'm doing myself are going in the same direction. And when they're not, you have all sorts of symptoms that are visible of the problem. You have a lack of patience, you have a lack of joy, you have a lack of love, you have a lack of peace going to hear this, I'm afraid, again in the weeks to come because every single one of these expressions of the fruit of the Spirit only happens and only is visible when we are aligned with what God wants us to be. The next song that Evan's going to lead, great song, speaks a lot about the weather. Speaks a lot about the weather. But as we sing it, realize the storm that we usually face it's really not the law on the outside, it's a storm on the inside. So as we're singing this, it's going to be talking about the storm, master of the tempest is raging, a great song, great visuals in the song. I want you to think about the words and realize you can easily sing that song about, perhaps for some of us, the tempest and the storm that's on the inside because my life is not aligned with where God wants it to be. Peace does not come from living for yourself. Peace only can come from the living for God. Let's sing. <clears throat> Master, the tempest is raging, the billows are tossing high, the silence are shattered. Thank you. 
Where? 
prophecy had foretold that peace would come to the earth when Jesus was born. In Isaiah 9, 6-7, Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now if you look at the externals, this seems like a failed prophecy. Because there certainly is not peace in the world today, and it's hard to think back to times for more than a day or two in the last 2,000 years. There may have been peace on the earth externally out there. Where is the peace that exists because Jesus came into the world? It's not between governments. It's not between people who are not seeking to do his will. It's within his people, those within whom the Spirit dwells. At his birth, peace was announced. I love singing the Christmas song, oriented song here in July. I can't remember ever singing that one in the church service before, but it seemed very appropriate. In Luke 2, as Jesus is born, we read, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's the key. Peace that Jesus brings brought into the world is on those with whom God is well pleased, those whose God's favor dwells upon, those who are focused on following after God. And as that message continues to spread in the world, peace should also spread. You know, it's so easy to trust someone, it should be, who's called the Prince of Peace. How could you not trust someone? There are still wars and conflict on the earth. So again, I ask the question, what's the deal? What's the deal? The deal is that not everyone follows the Prince of Peace. And sometimes those who say they follow the Prince of Peace really don't if you judge by their actions. But for those who give Jesus the central role in their lives, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Let's sing. <clears throat>
next song is Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture, now first on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior and happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my soul. Circle 
there was not a single person who had ever heard my name. That's probably, in that sense, the most alone I think I had ever been. A thousand mile diameter circle all the way. I mean, no one knew who Gene Wright was or would have cared. Right? I didn't have a friend that was within, what, eight hours, potentially, if I needed something. I, pretty alone feeling. Well, you and I here Lindsley Avenue shouldn't feel alone, not only because of the friends and the brothers and sisters that you see sitting around you, but we're never alone because we always have Jesus as that friend and he can bring us peace. Look at these statements from John 15. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. That's a lot of love. It's an ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is quite correct here. Greater love does not exist than someone who might lay down their life for a friend. Look what he says next. Why did he say verse 13? Lay his life down for his friends. Look at verse 15. No longer speaking to his disciples. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Who's Jesus going to lay down his life for very shortly in this specific verse and context? The people he's talking to. Here's the really good news. He calls us his friends as well. And he laid down his life for each and every one of us. What does it take? What does it mean? What does it involve being a friend to Jesus? He says in between these two, you are my friends if you do what I command you. If we're not living our lives for God, if we're not living our lives in harmony with the Spirit dwelling within us, then we're going to have that conflict. We're going to have that car that doesn't want to go in a straight line down the road. We're not going to have peace. We are friends with Jesus. Jesus is a truly wonderful friend. Let's sing this next song as we focus on that friend that we have. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, our sins and griefs to Oh, what peace we often find. 
stuff, you're, you're wagging that tongue in an improper way, you're, you may not see good days, you may not have a life that you love, you may not have a long life if we wag that tongue in the wrong place. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. I need to seek peace. And the way I seek peace is by, very consistently in the text, seeking God. I need to pursue a relationship with God. I need to pursue peace by seeking God. And that is the way in which peace will come. Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. I don't want to make in any way judgments about people in our city, people in our state, people in the world, people in the country, but it sure seems as if a rather large percentage of people have their minds still governed by the flesh. They're governed by what's in it for me. They're governed by pleasure, by power. They're focusing on the things of the here and now rather than things in the hereafter, rather than on the things of God. And what results from focusing on the here and now? What results from focusing on the mind focused on the flesh? Paul in Romans says death. It may not be physical death today, but the path ends in death, separation from God. But the mind governed by the Spirit, there you go, is my mind governed by the Spirit. What would that mean? Well, if my mind is governed by the Spirit, I really think the tree that represents my life is going to have a lot of those different colorful fruits on it. It's going to have love, joy, and peace, and patience. It's going to have them all. And if I don't have them, again, it's not a matter of I need to work on patience this week. No, I need to work on having my mind governed by the Spirit. Because when my mind is governed by the Spirit, my life, my thoughts, my purpose, my actions are in alignment with what God would want me. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, steady, minds are focused, because they trust in you. Does that describe me? Does that describe you? What do we trust in? What do we seek peace in? message that God has for us is consistent throughout. Peace comes from being focused on God and having our mind governed by the Spirit. The peace that comes from the Spirit is in fact perfect peace. Let's see.
futility of trying to have that peace come about by regulating external behaviors and not crossing the line and all that kind of thing. Peace sometimes with interpersonal relationships, which sometimes means to separate and just not bump into each other or to agree that no matter what, we won't talk about this sports team and that sports team because it doesn't bring peace when we discuss it. Whatever it is, the most important peace, the most important peace for any of us is having peace with God. Yes. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have peace with God? Well, look at Romans. And I have a few verses here from Romans as we get into the invitation about to occur. Romans 3, 11 and 12, and then verse 23. Paul is in the middle of one of the most depressing chapters ever written, in my opinion, in the Bible. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. All together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. It's even more depressing when you realize this is actually God he's quoting. This is from the Old Testament. And this is God's message through the prophets about his people that he brought out of Egypt. His people that he had been blessing all this time. And Paul applies it in his present day. Because on our own, we don't do good things. On our own, we tend to live for ourselves. And what a horrible, horrible thought that God in heaven looks down and says, look at what this creation, these people I have created, want to do if it's up to them. What a sad, sad commentary on us. Why? Why do we do what we want to do? Why do we sin? Well, look. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Since none of us are doing righteous things on our own, our own choices lead us to separate ourselves from God. But look, a chapter and a half later, Romans 5.1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by our faith in Jesus, being set right before God, Having our Sins forgiven, being put into a new relationship with God, we now have peace with God. We needed peace with God. What was the problem? What was the problem? Well, 
God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore now we have been justified by his blood, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. Our own choices, our sinful behavior that we do and have done voluntarily, our own choices separated us from God. And since God is perfectly holy and sin is far from holy, God's wrath, <laughs> the Bible is very clear, is coming upon those who are living in a sinful state who are separated from God. The wrath of God is real. But, but, it does not have to come upon anyone. The wrath of God does not have to come on any individual person. Because God, showing his love, sent his son to die so that we would not have to face that wrath of God. How do we avoid the wrath of God? Well, Jesus' blood is paying that price, that penalty that we should have paid. He did. And our faith in that action that Jesus went through on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection... That's exactly what Paul's talking about in Romans 5.1. We have been justified by faith. We now, as members of God's family, no longer strangers, no longer enemies of our own choosing, we have peace with God. And when the wrath of God does come, it won't be aimed at us, members of his family. How do we become a member of God's family? How do we take that belief, that understanding of what Jesus did and become justified by his blood so that we can have peace with God through our faith? Romans is it's a wonderful. I mean, it's, it's an outline. It's a very wonderful set of, of steps. And it takes us through all of it just in the next chapter, Romans 6. Paul says to people who have been baptized, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ, in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We die to our old way of living when we are baptized, when we are immersed underneath water. We contact the death of Jesus when that happens. In the same way that God raised Jesus up from the dead, when we are raised up from the waters of that grave that we call baptism. The old me, the old gene should have stayed behind, buried underneath. The new gene... The new you that's raised up out of those waters of baptism is a fresh start because God has wiped the slate clean through the actions that Jesus went through on our behalf. Peace comes from being a member of God's family. It doesn't come from any other place. No matter what courses you can find online, no matter what self-help books you may find on Kindle or whatever we're reading from these days, no matter what you may search for, peace is not going to be found unless it's on the inside. And it's only on the inside 
if we are members of God's family with the Spirit dwelling within us, because that's what will generate peace. When my life is going in the direction God wants it to go, when I am aligned with what God wants Gene to be. Yes. My question to each and every one of us this morning is, peace comes from being a member of God's family. Are you? your life is not showing peace and you're a member of his family, you need to get closer to God. You need to study more about God and his love for you and aligning your life with what God wants it to be. But if you're not a member of God's family, that's the only way you will ever really find peace. So are you a member of his family? The question is yours as we stand.